Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Rambold, back again. And uh, this is the House of Ephraim show. Do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope, are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope, is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbolt. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity. Again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Duggar. The Mizzou's too on these doors as you come in and go out, and I bless them and and you put them in your homes and, and using them. And I want to teach into that a bit tonight so that you can have a deeper understanding as to what those are and what that's really all about. Uh, it's really a Jewish symbol that teaches deep spiritual truths about God is what it's about. It's, it, it is a reminder. And when we begin to, we begin to do that, uh, the thing with the mezuzah, and I, I briefly had some things to say about it. And, and just mainly the fact that it is something that reminds you every time that you come through your door in your homes that there is God's holy word. There is God's, there is the Shama that is there before you. And, and as we said, when they, when they go in, people just, just kiss the, kiss the mezuzah when you pass by. It is giving God recognition. But it goes further than that. I want to start tonight in, in Deuteronomy 6, and now you can turn in, in, uh, in your Bibles to the sixth chapter of Deuteronomy. And the ninth verse, which we just uh, went through, but I want to pay particular attention to that ninth verse, Deuteronomy 6, 9. Now, this is the commandment of the Lord God, and He says, And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thine house and on thy gates. Now, that is a commandment. That is, that is not something that is an elective. Now, there's, there's a number of things with God that becomes electives. And you need to understand the difference between the commandment of God and the electives of God. Electives gives you choice. Commandments don't. And it's just that simple. When God God says it, you know, somebody said something to me the other day. He said, well, uh, you know, I don't understand. You know, uh, why have you changed religions? Well, we haven't changed religions. You know, I, I preached uh, Jesus, Yeshua, Yeshua, as hard today as I've ever preached Him. We'll continue to do so. Uh, I think somebody asked if we uh, what we were using for a Bible. Well, I'm still using the same old King James that's falling apart. It was falling apart five years ago, still falling apart today. It's all there, and it's all within the Scriptures. What we're doing is we're going back, and we are collectively deciding that there are some things in our Jewish roots of which are ours that we want. That we're we, in other words, they're, they're ours for the taking. If in fact, in some of our cases, if we're brave enough to reach out and take them. And say, yes, I'm a Messianic Jew. Yes, I believe in, I believe in keeping new moon. Yes, I believe in keeping Torah. Yes, I believe in, in, you know, in the, in 613 miles, but the laws of God. I believe that, and I believe that we keep all the, 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 you know, the festivals. And we do these things not because we're trying to be different, but because we're trying to find a deeper place with God, which somehow or other, all, as I said the other day, I think to you, that all the Old Testament was written by Jews. Isn't it funny that we took the Old Testament and we begin, and probably all the New Testament, besides what Luke would have written, and uh, as to whether or not Luke was uh, a Jew or not, I'm not sure about that. But the fact of it is, we're actually taking uh, the Jewish standpoint, or what they say about this living God, Yahweh, and we are taking it and then decided we're going to be something opposite other than that. And well, you know, it doesn't take a lot of thinking, I think, to come along the lines that maybe we should go back and readjust our thinking. But God said that we shall shall write them 
upon the posts of thine house and on thy gates. And that's our commandment. And so what they did, being the Jews, they begin then to use the word mezuzah. Now the word mezuzah, okay, M-E-Z-U-Z-A-H, mezuzah, simply means threshold. That's what that word means in, in, in Hebrew. Simply threshold. Now the reason that was a threshold, or the reason they used that as threshold was that at any time when there was a earthquakes or whatever it was, what they did was they ran under the strongest point of their home, which was the threshold. And it was built the strongest. In other words, everything in the house may fall down, but that threshold would stay, would stay standing, so they ran to it as, as, a, as a place of comfort, a place of hiding. So they called it mezuzah, the mezuzah, the threshold, the thing that God said to do, we're going to do, and we call it mezuzah. And that's the way it got to be mezuzah today. Now, the thing about the mezuzah that you've got to understand, it does not stop the enemy's fury from coming to you. Now, you know, I made some statements, and I make a lot of statements, and with all these statements attached one thing. You can have mezuzahs on every door of your home. You can have them, bless God, carry them around in the car with you, do everything you want to do. But unless the blood of the Lamb of Yeshua, the Son of Almighty God, and you're keeping the commandments of God, it is nothing more than just that, a mezuzah. It is nothing more than that. It will never be any more than just a block of wood or a piece of steel with some Scripture on the inside of them that you go through the door and you kiss as you enter your home or you enter the sanctuaries or wherever it is that you go or to someone else's home. The fact of it is it has to become more than that to you. It's like the Scriptures that you hold in your laps tonight, the Holy Scriptures that you have in, in what we call the Bible. These words in, the, in this Scripture are nothing to you until they become life unto you. You can sit in church all your life and you can hear, this you should do, this you should not do, this you need to do, this you don't do. You can say amen, you can dance in the aisles, you can jump up down uh, sideways, you can roll on the floor, you do whatever you want to do. But the fact of it is, if the Word of God is not in your heart, and the blood of Almighty Lamb of God does not come down on you, you don't have anything. These words are just mere words. They're not spirit and life. Because you see, the thing with spirit and life, they become changing. If they're spirit, when these words become spirit and life to you, they begin to change you. And that's what God wants to have happen to each of us. Too many times we get ourselves in situations, brothers and sisters, where the Word of God becomes stale. Stagnant may be a better word. Ineffective in our lives may be a better word. I, you know, we get, we get into positions that we're not careful where, well, I can only be fed such and such by such and such and this over. Now, there's nothing wrong with certain areas of times feeding you. There's nothing wrong with that. But again, I want to say something to you as a collective group of people, this organization. If God is dealing with your heart, I can't give you the vision that God's given to me. I can't, you'll have to find that vision within yourself. I know what God has done with me. I know how real all this is to me. As to whether it's real to you, that's up to you as to whether it's real. But the dangers within these things are, is when you begin to find yourself in, in position to begin to let it be, become stagnant to you. When it becomes the place where all of a sudden you don't think that it's working. What does the Bible say we're to do then? Rejoice! 
You say, you're crazy. Yep, I know that. <laughs> but you see, the problem is we're either going to have to believe God's Word and understand we're dealing with spirit or we're dealing with flesh. And if we're dealing with spirit, we're going to have to understand how to come over that thing. Some of us do real well until, until, until John 10.10 comes home to rest. And when the Satan, when the Satan of this world, the Satan of his world, the devil of this world, the God of this world, which is Satan, when he comes to tempt us, when he comes to bring, uh, to steal, to kill, and destroy from us, then all of a sudden it becomes quite real to us, doesn't it? All of a sudden then we begin to realize something we hadn't realized. Uh-oh! I ain't just quite as happy with all this as I used to be. And you want to know why you're not? It's because you're not able to succeed because you're not able to come over. Over the top of. See, everything that God does, God does for purpose, place and time. And what God is doing now in our lives is trying to bring us on and bring us in. And if you think the devil is going to sit back and let you come into this thing just because you decided you decided to vote yes, you know, you're sillier than I thought you were. There's a battle going on. There is a spiritual battle that's trying to take from you the very essence of God Himself, Yahweh, the Father. And that battle will continue until you make a quality decision to stop it. You know how you make a quality decision to stop something? You stop it. Who has the power of that? Do you know the power to, do you know the devil does not have the power to change your mind? The devil can't change your mind. You change your mind. You have control over your destiny. Say, I have control over my destiny. Not the devil, but me. And I choose my destiny to be that of God. To serve Him. To keep His Torah. And to walk upright before Him. In Yeshua's name. That's our prerogative. We can do that, or we don't have to do that. I think it's neat that God gave us the right to do that. And what He's saying here is, He's saying, for you observant Jews that keep my Torah, that keep my commandments, that keep, that keep the festivals, that keep the new moon, that keep Shabbat, this mezuzah is for you. It is a protector. Because it's what? It's God's Word. Okay? Look, look in Exodus, the 12th chapter. Exodus 12. I thought this was sort of neat when this thing began to unfold. Uh, look in uh, 21, 12:21. Then Moses called for the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a, a bunch of hassop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out at the door of, of his house until the morning. For the Lord, for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and upon the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. And that word smite means to kill you. 
the doorpost, the lintel, collectively the threshold of that home was being protected. Now, God gave the protection through the blood. Now, what we, today we understand, as we just came through Passover, Pesach, and we understand that it was the shedding of Yeshua, the Son of God, His blood that became this same symbolic blood, or the symbolicness of this blood, He became of His own, that we may not ever again have to worry about passing from death unto life with Him. Now, we understand that. Now, that same graciousness of God brings us to the great covenant of God. The covenant which God says, and this is what God is doing even as we read in Deuteronomy and just as we read in Numbers, these, this is the covenant. This is part of what God has done for His people, for His children, that we might understand how it all works. Again, there is no power within that mezuzah to save you or to protect you or your family. But there is power in the blood of the Son of God, Yeshua Jesus. There is power in that blood to be the protection that it was as it was here. But in order to take that, plus the commandment of God or God's Word, we must live it. Then that mezuzah, when you walk through and you kiss it, then it does become alive because you're saying, yes, I keep it. Say, yes, I keep it. And that's what we're doing. We are keeping the commandments of God. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He said, I didn't come to destroy the commandments and the prophets. He said, I come to fulfill them. And the fulfilling He did. And we are now standing or sitting, if you, in your case, in my case, standing. We're standing in the presence of God, honoring God through the fact that there were some things that God said to do and there was reasons behind why He said to do them. Somebody again said to me, said, well, the, why, why, why won't you eat, why won't you eat uh, pork and, and why won't you eat, uh, you know, like milk products and meat together? What, what, what's that about? Why, 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 you know, you know, today's world, that was back then and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, uh, uh, it wasn't clean, some of it wasn't, and you just, all these things. I said, you know why we do that? Now listen closely to me because some of you need to hear this. We do it because God said to do it. It doesn't have a thing to do with whether it was century number one back there and they didn't know how to fix, fix pork. It doesn't make any difference. If that's what God said, then that's what God meant. Now, let me tell you something now about God and the wisdom of God. If God warned us in this century to eat pork, you know what He'd have said? Now, when you come up to that group that will be born and will raise up in the last day in that century, then let them eat pork. But there's nothing in the Bible that's going to tell you that. Amen. Why? Because God had a reason behind it. And that reason, we, you can philosophize that reason until the cows come in. The fact of it is, that's what God said. God said, now let's read this. Uh, well, we can't read that again because I don't want you to go back over it. In that ninth verse, He said, you at the doorposts, at the gates of your home, that you will, you will have, you will have, you will put the mezuzah there so that that mezuzah, when you walk in and you kiss that mezuzah, it will remind you that there is a God that's not only over you, that's protecting you, but there is a God over all this world. Amen? Now, when Moses came up with this, it was neat how, you know, in later times when the old sages, the old the rabbis, or the actually the priests, began to study and try to come up with what, how they were going to do that. 
As I said, they decided to call it mezuzah. They decided to, because it's the threshold. And they decided that they would put what we call the Shama, what we read, due to two, two passages of Deuteronomy and the passage in Numbers, and that's in the, in the mezuzah. So that's constantly reminding us how that we are to be with God, just as the tassels are to remind us. That is, again, a reminder to us. It is not, it is not something that is a protector. And I had somebody, what prompted some of this, I had somebody say to me, said, well, you think those little blocks of wood or those little things of metal on your doors is going to protect you? And I said, no, we don't. No, there's no protection within that. The protection comes within God. Because we keep that. Well, what I'm saying, when I walk in and kiss the mezuzah, what I'm saying is, is I thank you, Lord, that I'm an observant Jew. I thank you that you've shown me the ways into Torah. I thank you that you've shown me the way into your everlasting Son, Yeshua. I thank you, Lord, that you have, you have benefited us by the power of the Rahakadish, the Holy Ghost. Now, Lot neglected the covenant and all its terms with God. Lot established a covenant with the world system instead of God's system. Now, Lot's a good, now, turn to Genesis 19. Lot is a good uh, example of this. Lot had the same, God had, you know, Lot had the same, if you will, he could have gone out and done exactly as his, uh, as his, uh, uh, Abraham had done. But in fact, he didn't, but he could have. Now, what do you suppose causing him to You know, I didn't realize until I got studying this thing today how I knew for a fact. I've always heard people teach and preach this as how Lot went in the world system. But I never, and maybe you've heard this millions of times when I finally get to it, but I didn't realize uh, what was going on. Look in the seventh verse, and I'll show you how, how what a world system this was. Now, this is Lot speaking, the seventh verse, and said, I pray you, brethren. Why would you call them brothers? Huh? I'd never seen that before. And all of a sudden, that jumped out of me today. I said, praise God, now I know why it was the world system. No wonder... He called them brothers. He got he got himself tangled up enough with them that he called them brothers. He looked at them as they were part. Why? Well, he lived there. You know, I always thought, well, there he was, poor old Lot, and he got in that town with a bunch of queers, and all this stuff was going on. It wasn't really his fault. He just made a bad turn in the road, and he ended up there. And look at no, it didn't. He went right where he wanted to go. He got involved with exactly what he wanted to get involved with. And I'm going to tell you something. If it had not have been for Abraham, he would have died right there. Thank God for intercessors. Thank God for somebody that's on their face for you when you're out here in this world doing the things of this world. Thank God for those people. Amen? Sure. Well, that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's what it's all about because I'm going to tell you what. Next week you may need to be on your face for me. Okay? I may need to be on my face for you. But that's where it's at. Now, Lot had lost his spiritual authority. And in the 19th chapter, again, in the 9th verse, it says, And they said, Stand back. And they said, again, This one fellow came in to sojourning, and he will needs to be a judge. Now we will deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they were wearied, so, so that they wearied them selves to find the door. Now, there was no doubt Lot couldn't do anything but stands there and try to argue with. In fact, he even offered his daughters. Because he knew that these guys 
were pretty special characters and that uh, he didn't want them tampered with. But he already knew what they were after, right? He They were after those men. They wanted to make have sex or sexual involvement with, with men. And, of course, that was, that was the reason why God came down and destroyed what we would uh, deem at that period in time the, the two most uh, advanced cultural centers of the world was Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, today we have a lot of advanced cultural systems in this world, don't we? Well, I'm going to tell you something, and this isn't no great piece of prophecy. The fact of it is, uh, uh, hail and brimstone is going to come down on it one day, too. Now, where do you want to live? Hmm? Well, I live, I, you know, I live, I, I remember years ago when God gave me a vision, and some of you in this room may have remembered it, when I said, you better get out of the cities. Remember me saying that? You better get out of the cities. Because I said they're going to become wicked. And when judgment comes to those cities, if you're there, you better hope that somebody has prayed and interceded so that you and your family get back. Well, you know when Lot's wife turned around and looked? You know what her problem was? She couldn't leave the world alone. She had to take one last look at it. All she had to do was to forget the world and look on to what God was telling her, taking her to. But no, she had to turn. She had to, and, and there, therefore she became what she became as a pillar of salt. Now, <clears throat> the prayers of Abraham took those angels to Lot's house. The angels shut the door. Now, now, now what's really neat about it, and, and you can get yourself the same way, your homes, the doors of your homes can be uh, shut. Your enemies can be blinded. How many of you like to have your enemies blinded? I don't mean fleshly enemies. I'm, I, I, in particular, can be that. I'm, I'm also talking about spiritual enemies that have come. But you see, again, they cannot, they cannot be blinded until you're able and willing to stand up and say, whoa, that's enough. I'm done. That's all she wrote. It's over. I stand for God. I'm a child of God. I'm repentance before God. And now I will receive the benefits of God. It's sort of like the, the, the Scriptures that I pray every day, and one of them which is, there is no weapon that's formed against me that will prosper, for it is the heritage of the children of Almighty God. It is our heritage. But I hear again, it's no more heritage than a man in the moon or that window pane over there if in fact you're not serving God. See, the key again, the key is if you serve God, then you have a right unto the promises of God. If you're not serving God, I'm going to tell you something. Listen closely to me. You might have got lucky, but luck will run out. Luck will run out. In time, luck will run out. In time, all the intercession of the world won't, won't save the situation in your life, and the enemy will come in like a flood. And you'll try to raise up the standard of God, and there'll be nothing to raise up. And that's the way God means for it to work. Isaiah 28. I want you to turn there with me. I want to. I want to show you a, a passage here that I think is neat about the intercessor's uh, function. I don't know that I've ever used this. In fact, uh. uh when I taught, and I haven't taught anything on intercession for a number of years. I keep believing that God's going to take me back 
And maybe this is the beginning of some of it. I don't know. 28.6. And for a spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment. Now, what does that, now what does that mean? Now, he's, try, there's, he's trying to break some things down here. There is a spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment. Those that are called of God to be able to judge, there is a spirit of judgment that comes to him. Notice that as a supernatural act. That isn't something that's carnal of the mind. That's being able to supernaturally judge. Now listen again. He says, And for a spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment, and for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. That's the intercessors. So you see, God is saying strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. Strength to them that turn the battle to the gate and run the enemy back out that gate. Strength be to them. So you see, there is a supernatural strength that is given unto those of us that can intercede. We should all be interceding believers. We should all be that. The, the, the sorry point is that no, all of us are. If we can ever bring this organization to the point and place where we can get together and pray all night, we can spend three days and three nights fasting and praying, we will move mountains. But in order for that to happen, we have to do the first oracles of God's Word first. We have to come out of the flesh to walk in the Spirit. And you can't come out of the flesh to walk in the Spirit if you're going to stay in the flesh. Do you know where we're at? We are at a crossroad. The church, the synagogue, the believers of this world are at a crossroad. People are making decisions all over this earth trying desperately to make the right decision, but usually it's the decision of which our flesh can live the easiest with. Right? Always wants to somehow take care of the flesh, don't we? And we're all the same when it comes to that. None of us, none of us are exempt from that. We all, we all fight that battle. But the thing of it is, is to understand that there is strength to them. So you see, you say, oh, I get tired of all that intercession. Let me ask you, when's the last time you prayed for somebody besides you, yourself, and I, and yours? You understand what I'm saying? Don't get excited. But this is what I'm saying. It took... See, Abraham could have just been worried about himself. But no, he was worried about Lot. And he said, well, how, you know, he, are, he did this thing with God, and he bargained with God, and he got this thing all taken care of. And he ended up just lotting his family, but at least he got somebody out, didn't he? But it was through intercession. Now, the mezuzah and the reminding of that. Now, on our the mezuzah that, that, that I had made, we put the word in Hebrew letters, El Shaddai. El Shaddai. And there's a reason why El Shaddai was there, because El means power, Shaddai means the one power, the one who nourishes. El Shaddai also means as a phrase, Shomar, thou taught Israel, guardian of the gates of Israel. Guardian of the gates of Israel. So you see, El Shaddai takes care of this house, of your house, of our houses, so crises and destructions can want, can, cannot reach in 
and destroy it. That's what it's about. That's what that's what El Shaddai. That's what God is. It's a name for God. Because me and my house, we serve the Lord, and that's where the difference is at. Me and my house serve the Lord. What do you and your house do? See, I have said over and over and over for many, many years, parents. If you're not going to serve God for yourself, then do it for your children's sake. Because your sin will be their sin. They will live your sin. They will grow up in your sin. They will inherit your sin. If you've got ten children, somebody of those ten children will inherit the sin that you hide from God. Every time we'd have a long, wrong thought of a bolt of lightning and strike a brow over there or that thing, I, I, I get the idea real quick. That's getting close enough. I bet you better shut that down. You know, I think that's the way it should be myself. I think there'd be a lot more holiness going on if lightning would go to striking, all right? But again, that's not the way God chose to do it. And that's the reason He's God and we're not. Amen? That's the reason that He's going to stay God. But me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. What you and your house are going to do? Is the mezuzah going to be something that's meaningful? El Shaddai, the Lord God, the powerful one, that bless God, that, that, comes, that comes to us and uh, who nourishes us, is going to be our protector? Or is it the fact that we're going to stamp them mezuzahs up there so it looks cute and we have something? Oh, yes, that's a mezuzah, you know. It's a what? Oh, yeah, we're Jews. It's a mezuzah, you know. Sounds kind of important, doesn't it? You get somebody to walk up and spit on it, tear it off the door, and try to stick it in your. The protection of God is real. Let's go. Let's go to back into the book of Genesis, in the seventh chapter of Genesis, and and let's look at Noah for a minute because this 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 thing here, this protection of God. Do you realize that as long as Israel served God, there was a divine protection that was over them. There was nothing. There was nobody that could touch Israel. There is nothing, there is nobody that can touch you if that divine protection of God is there. What you and I need to do is, is uh, one time somebody said, now, Brother Decker, let's just sit down and take the gloves off and bare knuckle here a little bit. I wasn't real sure what they were talking about when they started that. But I began to realize what they were wanting to do was get right down to really talking facts. So I let them talk for a little while. I said, well, I can tell you right now. The fact is, because they were saying, well, I don't understand why I've got these problems. I don't understand why we're not being blessed. I don't understand why this is why that is I said, I can tell you why. It's sin. We do not serve a God that does not bless us when we are walking in accordance to His Word. So therefore, when we walk out from under God's Word, then things begin to crumble down around us and we're going to blame who? God? No, no, no. El Shaddai is there to protect us, to nourish us, to get, bring power, to drive away every enemy that will come to our doors, to our thresholds. So, then God's on vacation? No. Then, uh, pre-adventure, uh, He went down to McDonald's or somewhere for the afternoon. I, no. Somewhere, we're outside the Word of God. 
And the only person or people that can answer where that is is in my case me, in your case you, because you understand something that El Shaddai wants you to be prosperous, wants you to have health. The only thing that's keeping you from prosperity, from health, from peace, from the things that you desire this in your life, in your walk here on this earth, is you. It's not God. God has no benefit for you being a failure and using His name. But He has every benefit if you will serve Him with all of your might, with all of your soul, with all of your power, with all of your heart, with all of your mind. He can receive all kind of things, can He? Hmm? And then when you walk in and you kiss the mezuzah, He knows that you're kissing Him because you've embraced God. You've embraced God. We're back to Noah. Seventh chapter, first verse. And the Lord said to Noah, Come thou and all thine house into the ark. Now what's the ark? A place of safety. For thee have I seen righteousness before me in this generation. Now why did Noah and his family become saved? Not because Noah was a good old boy. Now I'm going to tell you something about God. If he had not found righteousness in Noah, and what that righteousness was, and I'd spoken about it at different points in times, was that Noah did not, and his family did not get involved with these angelic forces that were coming of darkness that were entering in, and the angels and, and the flesh of women were, were intermingled together, and they were throwing offsprings that were giants that were not to have been of this earth. And Noah didn't get involved with that. So he said, I have seen righteousness before me in this generation. He didn't think there was any. He found Noah. And so therefore he says, what did he say? Come thou and all thine house into the ark. He said, I'm going to save you, Noah. So Noah didn't get saved because he was a good old boy. Noah didn't get saved because he went to synagogue once or twice a week. Noah didn't get saved in that ark because Noah gave so much money to the church budget last month. He got saved. Now, notice how important it is. Not only Noah, but it was his entire family that got saved because of Noah's righteousness. Now, brothers, who's holding back the blessings of God from your household? It isn't your wives. He said, Noah, I found righteousness in the earth. He said, come, Noah, I'll bring you and yours. I'm going to save you. I'm going to destroy everything else. And if Noah, if he hadn't found in Noah, guess what? He would have destroyed, he would have destroyed Noah right along with it. And guess what he had done? He had reached down, he had grabbed the dust of the ground, and he would have blow life back into it again. Started all over. He said, Noah, you'll do. Come get in the ark. Come get in the ark. Look at the seventh verse. Same chapter, 7 7. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. So there I use that showing you just what I would said. It was not only him, but it was them. But look at the 16th verse. And they that went in went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. There's the kind of protection that happened. Who shut the door? Noah didn't. The Lord shut him in. The Lord protected him. The Lord, because of his righteousness, said, No, you're my man on the earth. 
We're going to start this thing over and we're going to do it right this time for a while. Isn't it neat how we always do things right for a while? You know why we do that? To pacify our flesh. You know that? We get to think, well now, let's see, if I pray, if I pray two times a day all this week, man, I'm on a roll with God. Now next week I can lay off because, man, I've stacked up some prayer time over here. Prayer, prayer over there. Anybody ever done that but, but me? Huh? Sure, we get lazy, don't we? We get lazy and we try to use, in our, use within our own laziness. We try to use God. But I'm here to tell you, Noah knew what was going on. And I kind of, I kind of, I kind of got a kick out of, of the way that it was done. Turn with me to Psalms 128. Move along here. I'm not going to get this done. Uh, Saturday, we're going to start talking about conversion. We're going to actually start talking about the washing of hands, the washing of hands and feet, uh, uh, what they call baptisms, and uh, what that's all about in, in the Hebrew world. Uh, in the Jewish world, if you will, in our world now that it's that, and give you a full understanding, a full insight to that. I think you're going to find it very, very interesting. I'm not sure it's probably going to take uh, three or four hours maybe to get through that, but it, you need, you've got to have the whole base of it. You've got to understand what it was about. You've got to understand that they were, they were absolutely immersing people in the water long before Christianity became Christianity. Water baptism is not something Christianity did start. Not by a long shot thought it was, though. Amen? See, that's the reason when you get right down to it, I'm going to tell you something. We have used everything the Jews have had. We just didn't want to use their name. We used their God. Woo, that sounded good, didn't it? Use their Messiah. Don't you accuse me of being a Jew. 128. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in His ways. Well, that's heavy-duty stuff, isn't it? Now, what happens if you're not walking, fearing the Lord and walking His ways? Well, you're not going to be blessed. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy shall thou be, and, and shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thrust, thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. Now, what's it all come down to? For he that feareth the Lord. How do you fear God? Well, I'm going to tell you something. That, that again comes back to the lightning concept. How do you fear God? Why and when did we stop fearing God in the church? One of the, one of the things that I, years ago, began to, began to be very concerned about was that we decided to make Jesus our big brother and our best buddy. And I got real concerned about it. I listened to a lot of the national ministry. We begin, we begin to get out of the awesomeness of a God, of a triunal God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And we got ourselves involved with being best buddies with the Son. Now, that worked real well, didn't it? Not at all. It didn't bring us any closer to God. It didn't bring righteousness any closer into our lives. What it did was, it made us a mess. Jesus, I want this, and Jesus, I want that. And then we begin to sin, and we begin to say, Jesus, you know, you're my buddy now. Go see, go see Daddy and take care of it for us. For us. Well, that's again not the way it works. Let's go to Proverbs 26. <clears throat> 26, 14. 
And really, I just want up to the first column of this because this is what you need to understand about all this. As the door turneth upon his hinges, so, the, so doth the slothful upon his bed. So, or as the door turneth upon his hinges. See, that, that door swings both ways. That's what he's saying. The door swings both ways. Which way is the door swinging in your life? Toward the world or toward righteousness? Only you can guide that. Only you can determine that. Only you can mold that into your own life and make the determination as to what it's going to be. But as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. See, and that, the determination is settled. See, people today have this idea, well, I went to church, or I have gone to church, and things are okay because I have been to church. That's not in that's not in the scriptures. It is an ongoing twenty-four hour a day service that we are given toward God. Seven days a week. Every minute of our life. See that again, that's the reason. Put a fringe upon the corner and turn the make one thread blue as a reminder to you. See again, as I said, it Maybe maybe it is that if we had these fringes where we wore them, brothers, all the time, maybe when those things that we are going to do that aren't of God, maybe if we was to reach down and grab the fringes and take them. I saw a Jew in, in, in Chicago when he was praying, take the fringes and begin to, begin to do this with them. Becoming that reminder. The mezuzah isn't there. The fringes becoming that reminder to us that there is something more important than our flesh. There is something more important as to what I want or what you want in this world. His name is the Lord God. Yahweh. Elohim El. He is the one. It is of His importance that we're here. See, you and I have elevated ourselves through our selfishness above God. That's a pretty strong statement. I better be careful. But when we begin to do the things that we want to do and not do the things that God wants us to do, that's when we get in trouble, don't we? That's when we get in trouble. And when we get in trouble that way, then there seems to be no way out except to run. Let's go to Nehemiah, the first chapter of Nehemiah and the third verse. Now here's when things go bad. Nehemiah 1, 3. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the providence are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also was broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Why? Because they weren't serving God. No protection. I hear again, when Israel was serving God, there wasn't an army on the face of this earth big enough, mean enough, or tough enough to take them over. And when it seemed to be that they were really in such a tough place, God would send a spirit amongst them, cause confusion, and they'd begin to kill themselves. That's the protector that He is. That is El Shaddai. And El Shaddai is capable and yearns today to be as great toward us, and I might even say greater because of the time that we live, 
than even in these, this day. The reenactment of these things must come, brothers. Must come. Must come in this generation. Must come by the hand of Almighty God Himself. But it will never come until we are able to lay down the flesh. That's the reason that God demands of us of holiness. He demands it of each of our lives, and He keeps dealing with our hearts day after day after day after day after day, saying, yes, you must be holy as I'm holy. Because He's a holy God. And then we get into all these things we get into, whether it's physical or whether it's mental. See, I don't know when the church is ever going to wake up and understand something. Don't anybody pick up a rock to throw it. Jesus said, let him without sin throw the rock. See, we'll never, we're, I don't think we're ever going to learn that part. But the fact of it is that we all individually have battles to fight. We need to let the Lord do what He does best. That's, that's give us the victories, isn't it? Fight the battles, give us the victories. Let's go to Judges, the book of Judges. I said I wanted the book of Judges. I'm not sure I want Judges either. Let me look at that right quick. Nah. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and judged, and judged it all when he got there, right? Oh, I had all kind of ways I used to remember how to do this. Uh, yeah, I'll go to Judges 9. Go ahead and turn to that. Judges 9, 51. Now, this is, this is quite a statement, but listen to it closely. And all the evil of the men of Shechem did God render upon their heads, and upon them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jeroboam. You understand? He even brought a curse upon them. Why did all this evil and this curse come upon them? It came because of their sin. The name of God is a great is a strong tower. We used to sing a song and 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 the you know and the righteous run into it and they're safe. And that should be our cry. I'm going to tell you something. The name of the name of the Lord is a strong tower to us. Again, if you are righteous as Moses, as Noah was righteous, or as Moses was righteous, as, as Jeremiah was righteous, as Paul was righteous, then God is a strong power to us, and we can run into it. We can hide under the wing of the shadow of the Almighty God. We can have the divine protection of God upon us. That mezuzah will be something to you, but the mezuzah can be no protection to you at all. I never look at it as being, well, that's protecting my home when I'm not there. Well, you might as well, you might as well set a turtle out front to protect your house. Huh? Probably I'll get a good alligator. That'd probably do better. People think twice, right? If you love the Lord God, if you love Yahweh and you keep His commandments, you will have your doors locked by a spiritual mezuzah and nobody called the enemy is going to come in. If you do it that way. You have to, you have to understand something. All these things. And he says, let's, let me end tonight where I began, over in Deuteronomy. When God says these things, He says them for reasons. Not, not something that, that bless God. In fact, in fact, instead of ending there, uh, just turn to your paper to Deuteronomy 11, and let's read this together. And this is what we're going to end with tonight. Have you got your brochure? I never can think what I want to call this for sure. 
I said we'd never have them. Never say never. But I want you to listen as we read this. You know, so many times when you read these prayers, you should listen to what you're reading. You should listen to what you're reading. Listen as we read this together. Alright, is everybody ready? Deuteronomy 11. And if you will obey my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve Him with fullness of heart and soul, then will I grant you my gift of timely rain for your land in autumn and in spring, and you will harvest your grain, your wine, and your oil. I will also give grass in your fields for your cattle, and you will eat the fruit of your labor and be satisfied. Beware lest you are misled into turning aside from the right course, to worship alien gods and to bow down to them. God will be angry with you, and He will close the heavens so that there will be no rain, and the earth will not yield her produce, and you will fast disappear from the good land which the Lord has given you. Therefore shall you attend to these words of mine with heart and soul, and you shall bind a reminder to them in your hand between your eyes, and you shall teach your children to meditate on them when you are at home and when you are on a journey and when you retire at night and when you rise in the morning. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your home and on the gates of your cities. Thus will your life and that of your children be prolonged on the land which the Lord promised your ancestors for as long as the sky remains over the earth. Promises of God. You notice notice what he's saying? He's saying that if you will keep these things, if you will keep the reminders, if you cut the mezuzahs there, if you'll wear the fringes, if you'll do these things and you'll keep my commandments, there's nothing that God will not do for you. Now listen closely as I end this evening. Then when you yell, Lord, help! He'll be there. Until then, you're going to yell, Lord, help! And you're going to think He went on vacation. Once you ever tie into this thing for yourselves, once you're ever able to call upon the name of the Lord God for help and get it, you'll get the connection. I serve God. I walk in holiness. Then when I need the help, God's there. When I'm not serving God and I'm out here in deception, see, I'm not talking about robbing banks. I'm talking about things such as deception, things about lying one to another, things about, bless God, not quite being truthful about this or that. Then when you yell help, no God's going to show up. God's going to be on vacation. You're going to think He never goes on vacation, but you're going to think He is. So the key is to realizing that with God, His love <laughs> spreadeth abroad to whosoever will. See, that's what God is still saying. Whosoever shall thirst and come to Me. He said, well, I'll cause the thirst no longer. I'll cause the hunger no longer. Whosoever will come. But you see, what we're doing today in this generation, which is so very, very dangerous with God, what we're doing now is we're trying to play both sides against the middle. We're trying to be Lot, and we're trying to be Abraham. And guess what we've got? We've got a mess, don't we? Abraham saved Lot because of his righteousness. Lot didn't even have a right to live if you really want to get down to it and look at it. But through righteous Abraham through righteous Noah. <laughs> Go on down through the line. That's all there, right? So you see, somewhere in this generation, God has got to raise up the righteousness of Abraham again. 
And you know what that's going to happen? It's not going to happen with God raising up somebody and then getting off in some convent somewhere overseas where there's nobody around for the first 30 years of their life and they get holier than thou and they come down off the mountain and they're staggering and they've got this fire flame on them. That's not going to happen. It's going to happen in people like you and I. That's where God is going to bring this move from. He's going to bring it from the very depths of our souls. And we're in line for that. We're here. We're now. This is it. God's looking for volunteers. Who will, who, who, who will say that I will be the righteousness of Abraham? I will intercede for my brothers that I see that's going astray. My sisters that are going... I will do that. But I will stand for the things of God first. And I will deny my flesh to do just exactly that. Who's willing to sign up for that kind of an army? Most of you in this room tonight could do that, if not all of you. And I know that. And that's spatial to be able to stand in front of a group of people and know that this isn't something that's contrary. Some of you sitting here tonight have just got things twisted around a little bit. There's not anything too far out of line that can't get back in line. You know why? Because God is still in the forgiving business and somebody say praise the Lord. Boy, I love that part, don't you? The mercies of God. Woo! I love the mercies of God. They endureth and they endureth and they endureth forevermore. The mercies of God. Will you be Abraham? See, that's what this whole thing's come down to. Will you stand up for righteousness? Don't be looking to the left or the right. Don't be looking at what your brothers and sisters are doing and try to play off that. Well, they're being that way. I'm going to be this way back to them. You look on to the Lord God and you put your eyes upon Him and leave Him right there. If God says it, just do it. Hmm? I love that part. So why do we put mezuzahs on our door? Because God said so. Doesn't have anything else to do besides that, does it? God said you put them up there, you re- let that be a reminder to you. Every time you walk by, there's the same words that we read here in this, in this room tonight. The same words. Deuteronomy 6. Numbers 15. Deuteronomy 11. The same words. Only in Hebrew, this scroll is placed in those mezuzahs. So that every time you touch them, you're in agreement. That's what you're doing. You're saying, Lord, I agree. I agree with this. I believe this. I'm going to live this. And every time you touch that, you kiss that mezuzah, it just causing you one more time to have to think about who? The Lord God Almighty. Amen? And that's what God's doing in our lives. Hey, thank you so much, Prophet Deckard. Again, you can get a hold of us at the website www.jewishprophet.com and you can find out again all this material that you're hearing taught every day every week folks you want to get out there and start taking a look at that and start ordering that material because you need to get a hold of that and start to apply that into your life so that it will change your life you know what you can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com we'll be praying for your prayer requests shalom until tomorrow And remember, with God, all things are possible.
Thank <laughs> you. 